0: Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer.
1: Hello, and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast recorded from here in Houston, Texas. We are at the State Bar of Texas Bar Leaders Conference, and this is Victor Flores, and I am the host for today's show. Joining me, I have Brittany from Dallas, Texas. Uh, she is the president-elect for the Texas Young Lawyers Association, as well as Sally. She is a past president of the Texas Young Lawyers Association. And before we get to our topic, I'd like to see if maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself, Sally, first, and then Brittany.
2: Sure. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Like Victor said, my name is Sally Pretorius. I am the immediate past president of Texas Young Lawyers just rolled off here in June and was happy to turn over the reins of TYLA over to Victor. And I practice family law in Dallas, Texas, where I live with my husband and my two dogs.
3: Hey, everyone. This is Brittany Harrison, and I am your TYLA president-elect. I'm also a family lawyer that practices in Dallas, and I'm originally from Austin.
1: Thanks. Thanks, guys. And and today we're here to talk about or actually, answer some questions that were handed out at the uh, new lawyers swearing-in ceremony, and we got some questions from some of the new lawyers, and so we'll be uh, discussing some of those and providing some, maybe some helpful tips. I guess we'll start with the first question here. The first question comes from a young lawyer out of uh, based in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Uh, the question is: What is the biggest, most important thing to do when preparing for trial? I know. I'm actually not so much a litigator, but but you both are are constantly in, in, in the courthouse. Maybe we'll start off with Sally. Sally, what are, what's one of the most important things you do for trial prep?
2: And I have two things. Okay, so one is know your judge. If you don't know anybody who knows your judge, go a day before or a week before, sit in and watch your judge. Judges are super particular about how they run their court. Call friends, call mentors, call anybody you can who's been in front of that judge and find out what their little, you know, idiosyncrasies are or find out what their preferences are, how do they want stuff. The second thing is over-prepare. I would tell you um, that even as a 10-year practicing attorney, I still over-prepare because I think that the easiest way to lose in court is to not be prepared And I have won cases that maybe I shouldn't have or won cases against way more experienced attorneys because I was over-prepared and had everything that I need. So I know Brittany and I were trained the same at the same firm. (laughs) So I'm sure we share a lot of the same, same opinions, but those would definitely be my two pieces of
3: advice. And I would completely agree with both of those. And also really prepare your clients. Because a lot of times, they're not going to be familiar with being in the courtroom. They're going to think it's exactly like it is when you're you know, watching a television show. But it's a good thing to just practice questions with them and get them in the habit of answering questions. And then I also sometimes encourage my clients to go to the courthouse before the hearing so they can see what the courtroom looks like and they get a little bit more comfortable. But just echoing Sally again, over-prepare. Know your case. Practice your opening. I practice mine while i'm on the drive to the courthouse and i've actually been busted doing that by some of our partners they saw me driving down the hallway and i'm sitting there practicing my opening statement but that's just kind of my little ritual before i go to court
1: hey Brittany, you you bring up a a good point right is is preparing your client for for trial what are some ways that that you that you prepare your client for the actual trial date
3: Well, I usually like to bring in my clients, and we'll just sit down in a conference room, go through documents, and also just practice answering questions. And even if they're not about the case, you just want to get them in the habit of answering questions fully, answering exactly the question that's being asked, and just trying to get them comfortable with it. Because it's not, most of us like to talk over each other. You can't do that because you have a court reporter taking everything down. So it's a good way to just kind of get them in the habit of answering questions in general.
1: Yeah. And then you, you mentioned getting the, the client comfortable. Uh, I'll throw this back to Sally. Sally, in, in your 10 years of, of practicing law, how, how do you get your clients comfortable uh, being in, in, inside a court? Because as attorneys, that's your workspace. But for your clients, it's probably maybe for, for some the first time they, they go into, into court. How do, how do you make right. them comfortable?
2: Yeah, they're never going to be comfortable, to be honest, and I tell them that. Uh, having, since Brittany and I both do family law. I think we probably do a little bit more client-intense work, um, and we rely on our clients a lot more to sort of carry the case for us in that they need to do a lot of the testimony. A lot of the information comes directly from our clients, whereas civil listeners might be working with their witnesses. So I think when you're preparing any witness, whether it be your client or an expert witness or just a fact witness or um, whoever it is, I always tell them to try to remain conversational. And so I tell them, look, look at the person who's talking to you. So when I'm asking you questions, you need to be talking to me. If I tell you to tell the judge something, please turn to the judge and tell the judge to keep the judge engaged. If opposing counsel is asking you questions, you need to be talking to them. Don't have dirty eyes. Don't. You know, when I'm talking to you, don't direct your questions. (laughs) This is like a family law thing, (laughs) but don't direct your answers to my questions at the other side. You know, you're not going to win any points in a jury trial or a bench trial or any hearing by being snarky. So I always try to just tell them to be conversational and look at me when they're doing it and remind them that nobody's comfortable. I'm not always 100% comfortable in the court, especially if I've never been there before. So, um I think it's just something that's out of our comfort zone for all of us. Nobody, nobody was raised in crime. Maybe some people were right, but that's not your natural habitat.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, both of you, both of you were sharing. Yeah. There, there is maybe some, some legal preparation, of course, a, a lot of legal preparation for a trial hearing, um, but also preparing our clients. So I, I think that's great. That's great advice. Uh, we have another question from uh, a young lawyer out of Houston, Texas. Their question is, what's the best method uh, for coping with work and workload stress and just maintaining sanity as a, as a young lawyer? And, um, you know, I, I know at Texas Young Lawyers Association this year, we're, we're having a, a focused effort on, on attorney wellness. But uh, for you, for both of you, what, what are some of the ways that you cope with uh, work life stresses?
2: I think you should answer this one. I think out of all of us, maybe you're kind of going through that. So I'm going to turn it back to you on that one and do your worst nightmare as a podcast interviewee and make you answer your own (laughs) question.
1: So I think what Sally's sharing is my family just had a a baby uh, that we had eight weeks ago yesterday. And so balancing uh, taking care of family along with the work stresses, and then now, uh, you know, traveling across Texas, uh, sharing it with everybody, all the lawyers about all the good things that uh, the State Bar of Texas does, along with the efforts and programs from the Texas General Lawyers Association. That, that takes a lot into your calendar. My, my advice would be just setting expectations with your family, setting expectations with your workplace, uh, setting ex- expectations with your volunteer organizations and telling them all, hey, these are the things I'm doing. I want to be, I want to be to participate in all of them, but just know that, you know, I'm committed to all these things and, and trying to, I guess, work on communication and setting expectations is what I would recommend. Um, but how about, how about you ladies? How, how do you kind of help cope with work life balance?
3: Well, I'm definitely a work in progress. Um, (laughs) I do struggle with this because I'm always wanting to give my all to everything, but it's impossible to do that. So I've learned that for me, if it's on my calendar, it gets done. And so I am starting to schedule breaks, like schedule time to go work out, put it on my calendar. I'm going to go work out at this time. I'm going to go get a massage on this day. Things like that to where that way it's on my calendar, I'll get it done, but I'm also taking time for myself. And also I'm learning that The answer, no, is always an acceptable answer sometimes. You really have to know when to say no when you're overloaded, just be able to be okay with that. And it's hard, but trust me, everyone is struggling with this. And I don't think,
2: I'm a big fan of dashing the word work-life balance because I don't ever think that there is a balance in anything. I think that as young lawyers, as attorneys, we always have 500 balls up in the air and sometimes some of those balls are going to fall and I think that part of creating um, a lifestyle that's healthy for yourself and that you know that you're kind of keeping everything in check is recognizing what those balls are and then when one of them falls to make sure that you pick it up right so a good example would be for me coming off of TWA president year I knew that for the past year I told my family, and I told my husband, and, you know, hey, you know, you guys aren't going to be as top of a priority as you had been for my entire life, and so for this year, this is what I'm giving my all to, and so when t ended, I um, made it a point to see what balls had I kind of dropped, and where did I need to pick up the balls and put them back up in the air, and so that's something that I've been doing, and along with that is kind of what Brittany said is I've been having to say no to stuff, so I know that there are you know, fundraisers or there are happy hours I could probably go to every night of the week, just living in Dallas. And I've had to start saying, you know what, this one's probably not a good one. I haven't had dinner with my husband, you know, for an entire week. And that's something that I'm going to do this year. And so I think saying no and just recognizing what those balls up in the air are and realizing when one of them falls is probably a really good step. I don't think that any of us can keep all those balls up in the air. And I think to even have that as an expectation is... Or to have any sort of balance in your life is sort of <laughs> that that what that thing in itself is putting stress on us to think that we have to create a balance or keep all those balls up in the air, so that's my feeling on that
1: right now g- great points uh, Sally and Brittany, something that you guys started talking about that we both kind of mentioned maybe if you, you didn't realize it was lawyers young lawyers are always doing all the things right we say all the things and 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 it can be. Um, not only stressful, but just take a lot of energy out of you. I'm, I'm gonna ask a question. I'll answer it first to give you guys time to think about it. But what's one of the the ways that throughout your week or within a day that you re-energize so that you can do or attempt to do all the things? That's the question. I'll kind of answer it first to give you guys time to think about it. But for me, my my, my kind of outlet, my recharging is is actually spending time with my two boys. They they kind of ground me. I say now two boys, but uh, at the time, uh, my son my son uh, Brennan, and just doing activities with them. It kind of just it gives me just a enough amount of disconnect from from work or you know stresses of volunteer service, and kind of grounds me. And so that that's you know whether it's going to a baseball game or just playing you know ball outside with him. That kind of gives me the the energy to keep on keep on going, and kind of gives lets me refocus a little bit, so that I can do all all the things, and or at least somewhat <laughs> be somewhat successful in, in doing all the things. Uh, so, how about you, ladies? What's the one thing that reenergizes you?
2: Um, yeah. So I go on these really long, obnoxious walks with my dog. We rescued a girl' Shepherd pointer about five years ago, and she is a terror if she doesn't go on a walk and I didn't realize that I also needed those you know forty five minutes an hour sometimes on Sunday mornings Saturday mornings they go for two and a half hour walks, and I think she's become a little accustomed to those and a little spoiled, but that dog can tell you I think she knows somehow inherently when it's the weekend, like she's like, "Oh, today's a Saturday, we're going on a long walk." But I found that those walks are really helpful. I love listening to other podcasts. I listen to like Crime Junkies and this American Life and I just something about walking and just listening to other people talk is is nice for me. I don't have to engage with anybody. Nobody's talking to me. I try to put my phone on airplane mode and just let the podcast go. Um another thing that I do is husband probably makes fun of me, but I love to shop. Like I could walk around the mall for hours. Um, it's probably not healthy for our wallet, but <laughs> it's
1: just something
2: that I like doing. I could end up returning everything or not buying anything, but it just makes me happy. So those are a couple of things that I do.
1: How about you, Brittany?
3: Yes, and well, so like I said, I'm I'm still a work in progress. But things that I have found, uh, I moved to a new neighborhood in December, and I'm finally getting out and exploring that, and so walking around just kind of seeing what's out there but I'm very much an introvert and so I like to stay at home sometimes and frankly I'll throw on an episode of Golden Girls and, Girls and I'm good.
1: Was that Golden Girls?
3: Yes, Golden Girls <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you it's just relaxing or you know just watching just just random TV shows stuff like that listening to music but just kind of being by myself not really thinking about work and just having time for me.
1: Well, that's. I mean, the, 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 those are all great recommendations. And I guess you know, to your point, Brittany, right? Each each attorney kind of has their their own, you know, uh, personality type, and and you know, introvert or extroverts, or you know, whether it's walking the malls, or you know, maybe staying home and reading a book, or, or just kind of, you know, spending time with family, or, or whatever, whatever it is that that's appropriate or familiar with with that attorney. It's it's, but it's good to kind of have that discussion or. At least be aware of, of, of that and incorporate that into your daily schedules. Uh, so we have one last question um, that I'm going to kind of throw out there. This question comes from a young lawyer out of Grand Prairie. And it, her question is tailored about fear and the fear of, I guess, just, I guess, generally being a, a, young, a young lawyer. But her question is, how do you get over the fear of jumping into something so new that's so much? And so just the perspective of being a, a brand new, newly minted young lawyer, and all the fears that come with starting a career in law, uh, uh, h- how did you prepare yourself? Or I guess that's maybe not the appropriate question, but just how have you dealt with that fear? And does that fear ever go away?
2: So this is Sally. I have a, I have a funny kind of story. Somebody once told me this, and I think it's hilarious, and it really is kind of the way your, your career goes, is when you're a young attorney, you really think like, you, you have this fear about like how you're going to perform but you don't have a fear about how much you don't know. So you're sort of practicing in this like little tunnel. And I think that your fears change throughout your practice, right? So like I said, your first, your fear is like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do I look like an idiot? You know, is the partner going to laugh at me? What's going on here? But then as you start to know stuff and as you start to like prepare for your board certifications or whatever it is, you start to actually learn the law and, like, you have the experience. and I will look back at stuff that I did as a first-year attorney. Like, I remember when I so I did mock trial in, in, in law school. So we were always taught to, like, do motions and liminy. But I didn't know that you don't do motions and liminy really before a bench trial. So I walked into my first trial as, like, a six-month attorney by myself and argued a motion and limine before the judge. And thankfully, the other side was, like, very gracious and, like, I was like, well, Judge, I don't think that's really appropriate, you know, but we'll agree not to go into that. So looking back, I can tell you that, like, I thought that was the right thing to do. And I think that your fears just change along the lines, right? So, like, I don't think that the fear is something that goes away. And I think that the fear is probably something that keeps you doing well as an attorney. Because if you ever get to the point where you're not scared about what you're doing, or scared about, you know, a position of law or not sure about something and not questioning yourself, you probably need to take a look back at what you're doing because I'm always, and maybe that's just my opinion, but I think that a little bit of fear is probably always healthy for our career.
3: I would 100% agree with that, just having that fear, because I think the fear in the beginning, like she's saying, it's like all the things that you don't know, um, or really all of the things you're like, I'm afraid I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to talk too fast. I'm going to do all the things I'm not supposed to do. But as you do get older, you do fear the things that you don't know. But I think the fear helps you with preparing. It makes you prepare more, and you always want to be out-prepared, or you want to out-prepare the other side if you can. Um, and so I think it's just a healthy level. Like children should always have a slight level of fear for their parents to make sure they're not doing things wrong. <laughs> I think that same kind of like level of like there's got to be a little bit of fear in there. But ways to cope with that is finding good mentors, you know, talking to people, you know, in your field, you know, like sometimes even though Sally and I aren't at the same firm, we might bounce questions off of each other because it's always good to get a different perspective because you you can't think of everything. And so it's always good to reach out to others in your field.
1: Full disclosure, I'm, I'm not in, in the courthouse every day like these ladies are. but o- over the course of my career, I've you know tried to improve my trial skills, and so I've participated in you know, some trial academies and and one of those trial academies, uh, what they did is they recorded you know how we did, and we were kind of scrutinized or at least you know uh, critiqued on on our performances and, and how we did in these uh, you know either cross-examination or direct or opening or closing. And what I realized was that internally, to, you know, I thought I would butchered, you know, my, my cross. And after reviewing a video of myself doing it and hearing the critique, it really wasn't that bad. And so I think some of the fears are, are you know, we're kind of we're harder on ourselves than we should be. Obviously, if, if you've, um, you know, you've graduated from law school and you passed the bar exam, you're qualified to you know to a certain extent you're not going to be the you know the great you know litigator that's been practicing for 40 years you know he or she has had time to you know really uh, you know tweak those those skills and perfect them but I guess my recommendation also is not you know d- give yourself some grace fear is is a key part uh that happens in trial advocacy and just in the profession of of law you don't want to mess up but give yourself some grace you know and and, and allow yourself to kind of get there, allow yourself to practice those skills and hone in on those skills so, so you can be a good advocate. That's just kind of my, my, my two cents. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. And I want to thank these two incredible ladies, Brittany and Sally, great leaders in uh, our organization for TYLA. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, You're welcome. Thanks. Vic. Thanks for having us.
1: If our listeners have questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach each of you?
2: Yeah, so my email is Sally, S A L O Y at Coonsoler, K O O two O and Frank, U L L E R dot com and I'm happy to talk with anybody if you're in Dallas. I always have a one free coffee policy. So if you want to go out to coffee, I'm happy to take you out for a cup of coffee.
3: Yes, email is probably best for me as well. It's Harrison at GBA, like Gorenson, Osley, familylaw.com. Or you can just go to the tyla.org website and you can find all of our contact information on there as well.
1: Hey, ladies, thanks. And uh, that is all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us and, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I am Victor Florius, and until next time, thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Go to texasbar.com slash podcasts, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes.